and the Word became flesh and lived among us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our Gospel passage today is the prologue of John, a masterpiece of poetry and prose with the quality of a hymn that harkens us back to the very beginning in Genesis and gives the birth and life of Jesus a profound, even a cosmic, dimension. Verse 14 is the transitional stanza that sums up the whole hymn. And the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. As beautiful as that is, I wonder if Eugene Peterson better grasped the heart of this passage in his translation of the Bible called The Message. His alternative version goes like this. The word was made flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We see the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. While maybe not as poetic as the other translations, Peterson's prose brings the cosmic to the particular, which is what the incarnation of Jesus is all about. It places the mystery of God becoming human in a real place that we can touch and see and smell and hear. Our neighborhood, whatever that neighborhood might be. A person who built his whole life around the concept of neighborhood was Fred Rogers, better known as Mr. Rogers, host of the children's television program, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Mr. Rogers seems to be experiencing a renaissance of late. He was the subject of an acclaimed documentary last year, was portrayed by Tom Hanks in a new movie this year, and last weekend reached the pinnacle of fame Eddie Murphy reprised his parody of Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> I wonder why all the interest in him now? Perhaps he is the prophetic voice we've been longing for to help us out of these increasingly polarized and transactional times that we live in. As Mitzi Minor pointed out in our adult forum a few weeks ago, Mr. Rogers gave us three adages that can best help us navigate this age. Be kind, be kind, and be kind. While that is sage advice, I believe there's more to why we yearn for Mr. Rogers now than our longing for kindness. I think we have to go back to his childhood to discover his deepest yearnings, to understand our own longing for him. In other words, why did Mr. Rogers become Mr. Rogers. Fred Rogers was a sickly, overweight child. He was shy, and he was more comfortable with adults than with children, and he became the target of school bullies. One day, school got out early, and he decided to walk home. As he walked behind him, he heard his tormentors. Hey, fat Freddy, we're going to get you. As the boys got closer, Fred willed his legs to go faster, his corduroy pant legs zip-zagging zip against each other 
as he urged his jog toward a run. He turned on Weldon, his street, but he still had three blocks to go, up an incline before reaching home. He remembered that a kind widow lived along this route. He prayed that she would be home as he turned up her front walk and climbed her stairs. When Mrs. Stewart answered the frantic knock at her door, she found before her a flush, panting boy, his face shining with exertion and fear. She let him in immediately. The bullies gave up and took off, looking for new entertainment as bullies do. Mrs. Stewart called Fred's house so that someone could come and pick him up. But Fred thought about those bullies for the rest of his life. Sixty years later, he could still recall vividly, moment by moment, that day. He said, I resented the teasing. I resented the pain. I resented those kids for not seeing beyond my fatness or my shyness. And what's more, I didn't know it was all right to feel any of those things. Fred started to look around him for other people who were struggling other people who were sad, and he began to see that this included just about everybody, even the bullies themselves. Fred recalled, I started to look behind the things that people did and said, and after a lot of sadness, I began a lifelong search for what is essential, what it is, what it is about my neighbor that doesn't meet the eye. Later, when Fred was a freshman in high school, he learned that a classmate named Jim was in the hospital following an injury. Jim was a football and basketball player. He was a popular and attractive guy around the school. Fred began taking Jim his homework to the hospital. Over time, the two of them built a real friendship. Fred said, I learned to trust Jim and told him some of my deepest feelings and he told me about his dad's dying two years before and what that was like for him and his mom. When Jim returned to school, he told their classmates, you know, that Rogers kid is okay. Jim invited Fred along when he and his friends made plans. Jim's acceptance gave Fred a new confidence with other children. Fred was elected president of the student council, editor of the school yearbook, and was voted most likely to succeed. Fred and Jim became lifelong friends. Fred was the best man at Jim's wedding. And though they lived in different parts of the country, they wrote letters and visited when they could. When Jim was dying of cancer in 1995, Fred traveled with a broken ankle to go see him. What a difference one person can make in the life of another, Fred said remembering Jim's willingness to see and embrace who Fred was at his core. With a slight smile, he added, it's almost as if he said, I like you just the way you are. Fred's experience with the bullies and his friendship with Jim were pivotal to his call to a ministry of children's television. He remarked, when I say that what we do through Mr. Rogers' neighborhood is theological, I'm referring to the incarnation. The incarnation means man is not isolated. There is someone who cares. 
and understands. One of his biographers, Shia Tuttle, writes, Fred offered a kind of incarnation through his own loving presence, through his memory of childhood, through the gentleness with which he held his own childhood feelings. Mr. Rogers provided a comfort greater than simply saying, don't cry, don't be afraid, or even just let on that you don't care. God cared, Fred believed. God cared enough to be among us and enough to feel every human being, being's feelings. So Fred worked hard to be with children and their feelings, to explain and alleviate when possible, but more importantly, to take them seriously, to take their feelings seriously, as seriously as God becoming human. So why a neighborhood as his metaphor? Tuttle writes this about Fred's most closely held belief. All people are created by God in the image of God. So all people are good. A diverse neighborhood filled with a broad representation of the people God loves was for Fred a natural and necessary response to God's inclusive love. Throughout his life, and especially in his last, later years, Fred believed that the incarnate God was not only present within him, but would nudge him to take a particular action for a particular person at a particular time. Lisa, one of his co-workers on the program, was going through a difficult time her husband, Scott, had been diagnosed with cancer. They had a young son named Teddy. One morning, Lisa woke up holding Scott's hand to find that he had died. I was really panicky, she said. And then the doorbell rang. When she opened the door, she found Fred standing there. Lisa, who is now an Episcopal priest, remembers that he was licking his lips, which she said he sometimes did in situations where he felt uncomfortable. Fred said, I was praying and I felt you needed some help. Fred called the funeral home. He stayed there and wept with Lisa and he gave her some gentle advice. Make sure Teddy knows you will be there for him. For many of us, this is a time for making New Year's resolutions. Some really good ones for 2020 are this. Be kind, be kind, and be kind. But another good one might be this. Be attuned to and listen to the nudges of the incarnate God within you, and then act on those nudges. When Fred was invited to be the graduation speaker at his neighborhood high school a few years before his death, he said these words that may have been his best response to the meaning of the prologue of John. He said, with all the sadness and destruction, negativity and rage expressed throughout the world, it's tough not to wonder where the loving presence is. Well, we don't have to look very far. Deep within each of us is a spark of the divine just waiting to be used to light up a dark place. <laughs>